Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us for our family chapel this morning. I was making conversation. We had t-shirts we wore yesterday, and today we wear our jackets. <laughs> Colorado weather, Colorado spring for you. We're privileged to have Vice President for Academic Affairs with us this morning. He's going to be sharing with us. Let's welcome Dr. Gary Streit. Dr. Gary Streit, thank you for joining us. Amen. Praise his name. You may be seated. Good morning. I pulled out this old winter coat this morning, really in protest, to make a comment, a visual comment about Colorado weather. T-shirts yesterday, wool coats today, but it's all the Lord's doing. Praise the Lord for, from whom all blessings flow. Long, hard winters. Now, I have not really experienced a long, hard winter here in Colorado. We haven't had one since I've been here. I understand there is such a thing. But it has been, shall I say, we've had some peculiar weather. And it reminds me a little bit of a, a humorous story that maybe some of you have heard. I like this because I think it grabs us right where we live. Uh, people who live in the north, and I did live in the north for a number of years, and some of you have as well, know what hard winters can be and how you just sort of want to get out of those winters for a, just a respite, for a rest. Well, I heard a story about last winter during a particularly cold stretch, a Minneapolis couple decided impulsively, just on the spur of the moment, one, did, one morning at coffee, to head to Florida to get out of that ice box there in Minneapolis. So uh, they decided to go to Florida and actually to have a long weekend um, from the frigid weather. They planned to stay actually at the same hotel where they had honeymoon years earlier. They thought that would be fun. Well, because of their hectic schedules and because of the last minute nature of their plans, they couldn't go on the same plane. So they decided that uh, they would just coordinate as best they could. So the husband left Minneapolis and flew to Florida on Thursday. And his wife was planning to fly down the following day. They got really good rates. The husband checked into the hotel and everything was just terrific, but even better than he had remembered it. In fact, it was better than their honeymoon in terms of what had happened to the hotel and all of the accommodations. Well, there was now a computer in the room, even, yea, verily. And so he thought it would be neat to send an email to his wife. However, he accidentally left out one letter in her email address, and without realizing his error, he sent the message. Well, meanwhile, somewhere in Houston, a widow had just returned home from her husband's funeral. He was a godly, elderly Nazarene minister who was called home prematurely to heaven following a heart attack at 107. That's funny. The widow decided to check her email, expecting messages from relatives and friends who could not attend the service. After reading the first message, she screamed and fell out onto the floor. Well, the widow's son rushed into the room, found his mother on the floor, and saw the computer which read, To my loving wife, I've just arrived. I know you must be surprised to hear from me. They have computers here now, and you're allowed to send emails to your loved ones. I've just arrived and have been checked in, and I see that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing you then. Hope your journey is uneventful as mine. Signed, your loving husband. P.S. Sure is hot down here. Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes 
These long winters seem to drag. And maybe they even leave us feeling as if we are in a wilderness. Winter does that to me, sort of, sort of in a wilderness. I'm a, I'm a warm weather kind of guy. In fact, that's exactly what I want to talk with us about today, the wilderness. Great songs, Jonathan, by the way. We didn't even talk about that. He leadeth me. Great, great intro segue to what we're going to be talking about. The Oxford English Dictionary defines wilderness as a wild, uncultured land different from the desert in that it is an un uncultivated and harsh region, sparse of any vegetation. Another definition of wilderness is being that of a region of a wild or desolate character or a place in which one wanders or loses one's way. A final definition suggests a place either real or imagined, which one finds desolate or in which one feels utterly lonely and or utterly lost. There are some great and vast wilderness areas left in this world. I recently was flipping through some pages of National Geographic and I came across a few of these existing wildernesses. In Australia, there's an area called the Arnhem Land. It is a vast, cityless, aboriginal territory, roughly the size of England. I mean, Australia's a big, big place. Well, this is the size of England, and it's a vast wilderness containing eucalyptus woodlands, savannas, and crocodile-infested swamps. Sounds like just the place to visit, does it not? Some have called this part of Australia the Antarctica of the tropics, the last of the primeval Australian bush. Gila, uh, just to the south of us down in New Mexico, is one of this country's great wildernesses. Geologists tell us that this part of New Mexico was born 65 million years ago by intense volcanic activity. And today, volcanic ash continues to define this whole section, this desolate section of the state of New Mexico. We have heard of the 1,000-mile of, of sled race across Alaska called the Iditarod that goes through that 1,000 miles of wilderness at temperatures 100 degrees below zero. Can you believe that? That anybody would want to do that in a place so desolate and so cold? Well, they do every year. Several years back, I had the privilege of visiting the great protected wilderness of Kenya, East Africa, including the Masamara Plain. There, under the seemingly unending Kenyan sky, all sorts of native exotic animals run unhampered against the backdrop of the majestic Mount Kilimanjaro. And then I had the opportunity a few years later to visit Egypt. And it was on that trip that I caught my first vistas of the great lands of the Sahara and the Sinai. That parched desert, uh, desert desolate land, thinly scattered with oasis and dotted with sparse Bedouin settlements. While this region has deceptively little to offer, interestingly enough, it is one of Egypt's most treasured tourist sites. Because you remember, this is a wilderness, a very strategic, a very important, a very biblical wilderness that means much 
to many, many people. I remember standing there that day looking out on those sands and thinking of wilderness and I hadn't thought of wilderness as much at least up until that time as when I was a kid at youth camp standing in line outside the dining hall singing here we stand like birds in the wilderness waiting to be fed. A different kind of wilderness. Sinai as you recall from your study of the Bible is referred to as that great and terrible wilderness through which Moses and the Israelites wandered for most of the 40 years after their dramatic exodus from Egypt. And today, as you know, this wilderness is the Holy Land, a Holy Land, to three major religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And since we're on the subject of wilderness and trying to understand the concept, let's talk about Moses. I bet if Moses were here today, he could talk with us, could he not, about wilderness. Well, to begin with, Moses, in fleeing for his life to the mountain, a mountainous Midian, had to, as we might say today, hang out as a shepherd for 40 years. What were you doing 40 years ago? Does that seem like a long time ago? 40 years. Think of it. Then remember Moses' encounter with a bush that would not stop burning. It just would not stop. Well, it wouldn't stop. Why? Because God was speaking to Moses through the burning bush and telling him essentially that his days as a shepherd were numbered. <laughs> it's coming to an end, my friend. You're going back to see Pharaoh, Moses, and I want you to deliver the Israelites from the oppression of Egypt. Well, you know the story, and remember those are dramatic events that ensued. Uh, one observer revisiting this story asks some probing questions. Have you seen water turn to blood? What about livestock dropping dead? What do you think of boils, of locusts, of leaping frogs, of darkness, not to mention the death of the firstborn? Do we have any concept or clue about what those must have been like? All of those prelude to what? The children of Israel wandering around for 40 years in the wilderness, and that wilderness being Sinai, which, you've, which if you've ever seen it, you know to be the genuine article, a real downer, a real wilderness. So you might wonder, why are we talking about this today? Why are we talking about wilderness? We live here in Colorado. This isn't wilderness. This is, this is prime territory, prime real estate. Well, I think we're talking about it because I think as we read the word, we can't get away from it. And you've probably heard preachers talk about this many times over. And also, I think we know that when we talk about wilderness physically and geographically, we also must understand that there are other kinds of wildernesses that come our way. The Bible repeatedly exhorts us to remember the wilderness. Well, what is there to remember? What truths 
do these wilderness stories contain that we dare not forget today? If the capacity of this chapel is 700, and I think somebody told me that, and if each, were, if each seat were filled, I suspect that each person in attendance could tell at least one wilderness story about where you've been, where you are, or where you think you may be going. And those realities, those wildernesses, if you please, those very personal wildernesses, take different faces and different forms, such as lost loved ones, a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a grandparent, a cousin, a dear friend, unexpectedly taken from us, a wilderness of sorts, if you please. Some here today have received surprising diagnoses that seemingly in an instant have changed your life. What about those significant relationships of all sorts that you, knew, that you just knew was perfect? Perfect friendship, a perfect relationship, and then suddenly it all just, just went away, leaving you with a wounded spirit and with a confusing sense of loss. What about the checkbook? Are there ever wildernesses in the checkbook? Did you hear me? The checkbook. We know what that means. Can I afford it? Where will the lack come from? What about my job? What about my spouse who just lost his or hers? What is going on in this seemingly upside-down world around us? In Syria, in Afghanistan, in Boston, yea, verily, in Colorado Springs. What's going on? Is this a time of wilderness? What about your car? Is that ever a wilderness experience for you? Your house. What about your son or daughter who seems to be lost in a wilderness of one sort or another? What about those seemingly unanswered prayers of all kinds that we've been encouraged and admonished to pray and pray and pray about that really have left you with more questions than answers. And even at times, maybe the question, is this faith thing really all that it's cracked up to be? Ever been in that wilderness? And all the people said, amen. And so what are we to make of all of this? The wilderness. A Bible story that seems to us very, very long ago and interesting and dramatic, but what does it have to do with us today in our 21st century minds? Well, just maybe Moses can help us. Let's go back for just a little bit and see about how he stepped up and addressed the issue of wilderness. In Deuteronomy 8.2, we are reminded that the wilderness in our lives are places of trials and that during these times we are to, quote, remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, test you, and to know what was in your heart and whether or not you would keep his commandments. The test of a wilderness 
to humble you, to test you to know what was in your heart as, and to whether or not you would keep his commandments even when you found yourself there. After the Hebrew people were told that they would spend 38 years in the wilderness until the entire slave generation had died and a new generation had come to maturity, the text simply jumps 38 years. And it's, it's, there's nothing there. It's just a wilderness, if you please. We know nothing really about what happened. Those people were in an in-between space. Have you been to an in-between space? Yes, you have. Ever stepped on an elevator? You push a button, you're not on the first floor or the lobby, you're not in the 38th floor yet, you're somewhere in between. Have you, have you completed re, uh, requirements for the degree, but yet the degree has not been conferred? That's an in-between space. Have you left the terminal onto the jetway, but you've not gotten to your seat? Well, you're not in the terminal, and you're not on the plane, so you're in between. What about internationally? You've been in a customs line. You, you have a passport, but you're not there yet. And you're not where you were. Those in-between spaces in our lives. Sometimes God's blessing, I suspect, is obscured from view by the great wilderness wasteland in the desert that we may be experiencing. Because you see, what appears to be happening is really not what's happening at all. That's the story for, of Moses. What appears to be happening is not really what's happening at all. In The Little Prince, we find the passage, the desert is beautiful. Well, what makes the desert beautiful, said the little prince? It's beautiful in that it somewhere hides a well. What are your deserts? What are your wildernesses today? Think about that for just a minute. What are your wildernesses today? I know you have them because I have mine. And God is no respecter of persons. I also know that the scripture is clear that God has a plan for our lives. And wow, do those plans sometimes look different from our plans for our lives. I think sometimes as Christians, we're, we're, there's something, there's a pressure that comes along with the faith. We're not supposed to question. We're not supposed to doubt. We're not supposed, forget that. Whoever told you that, forget it. See, I'm leaving, so I can tell you, forget that. Do you think Moses did not wonder, doubt, fear? Of course. I hope that 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14 will help us to navigate this wilderness stuff. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. 
but rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. Or, as Mother Teresa of Calcutta, uh, of Calcutta paraphrased, and I love this line, I know God will not give me anything I can't handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. <laughs> love that. I just wish he didn't trust me so much when I'm in the wilderness. I wish today, um, as I'm sort of prepping to leave you wonderful friends, and let me just parenthetically thank you for your grace, your kindness, your warmth, your, your welcoming for, these, for me these three years. Um, I'm going to miss you. There's not a problem in coming for a year and leaving, but when you stay three years, you sort of, you get attached. And I've become attached to you. And I just want to thank you again and again and again, faculty and staff, for all the goodness that you have bestowed and kindness that you've bestowed. And it's been a great gig working with you during these three years. I wish, though, in leaving, that I were smart enough, wise enough, and profound enough to offer to each of you a dependable map quest to get you through your wilderness, whatever it might be today. Well, the Strite GPS navigation system is not that dependable. But let me tell you, there is such a system that remains intact. With a heavenly satellite that is sending a dependable signal and word as a reminder to us today. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. Or those beautiful lines from that gospel song of another generation. Could we think the oceans fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God would drain the oceans dry. Nor could that scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky to sky. That's pretty good preaching. I don't know where you find yourself today. I don't know what issues seem to press in upon you. Or what wilderness seems to be just right there in your face. But I offer these words to you today with great confidence, great proven confidence, that he who hath begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And I claim that promise for me, I claim it for you, and I claim it for Nazarene Bible College in the days ahead. Let's bow our heads. Our Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All we have to do is follow. Our Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All we have to do is follow. Join me if you know it. 
Strength for today is mine alway, and all that I need for tomorrow. Our Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All we have to do is follow. Dear Lord, make it so in our lives. We thank you for your faithfulness. And we claim the promises of God as we face our wilderness experiences. That you have proven yourself to be faithful and true. We love you today. We love these people today. And we pray your choice blessings upon Nazarene Bible College in the days ahead. We pray these favors in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. And all the people said, there are hot rolls and coffee and juice in the back. Let's stay and relax and talk and get to mingle and love one another.